that the memories of yeah. <laughs> of those experiences from the dreams, from the dreams people are mm. being like erased <laughs> right before your eyes. There we go. You brought it back. You brought it back. Yes, yes. Hello, hello, hello. Happy September, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. The year is just rolling on by. Somebody said to me that like next Monday or something is like the 13th or something insane like that. And I was like, what do you mean? The month just started. (laughs) It's over already. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane. I actually, for a couple days, like I know that next weekend is like the Mm -hmm. 9th and the 10th, I believe. But like I kept thinking that it was the 16th and 17th and I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm I'm out of town this weekend. I'm going out of town next weekend. Like I was like freaking out. It does feel like my um, uncle said once, as you get older, I'm going to butcher this so badly. When you fill up a tub with water and it starts draining, at first it looks like it's draining really slowly because there's like Mm. a bunch of water and it just like goes down and down. But as it gets to the bottom, all of the water just rushes down the drain and it's like whoosh. And he's like, that's kind of how like aging works. Well, that's ruined my day now. Um, (laughs) That's all I'm going to be able to think about. (laughs) Yeah. It did feel like this year just flew. Yeah, I don't by. like it. Let's let's just all take a step back, chill step out, way back, and yeah, let's just hang for a sec. Um, let's let's freaking hang, please. But there are four yeah. months left, which I am like, you know, there are four months. It's almost half a year. Yeah, like. Meanwhile, yesterday I was like, I'm literally already behind on Christmas shopping. Like, the year's over. It's 2024. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, um, yeah, hope everybody's having a nice a nice start to the, the fall season. Back to school season if you're in school. Yes. It's the great time of buying mm. notebooks, getting your, your back to school fits in order. Of course, I'll be buying small gourds mm-hmm. and yep, pumpkins. Yep. Um, maybe some um, maize, yeah. if you will, some A colorful cinnamon corn, broom, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Um, um. Yeah, I will be buying yeah. a cinnamon broom. <laughs> <laughs> well, shall we get into uh, today's film? Yes. As we continue our international world Mm -hmm. tour, we have an incredible heart-wrenching anime to present to you today. We are covering the 2016 absolute smash hit, no pun intended, (laughs) Your Name. Yeah. I'm going to let everybody know right now um, what my reaction was watching this movie I I had a very long week. I was working some very long shifts this week, super burnt out. And on Friday, I'm mm-hmm. like in the middle of my shift and absolutely dreading having to stay there until like three in the morning. 
And then at 10 p.m., they're like, hey, you can go home. It's so dead. Like, there's nobody here. Go home. And I was like, awesome. The gods are on my side today. And so I came home and I started working on my notes for this movie. So I watched this they movie. They were not on your side. Yeah. I watched this movie. Um, I finished my half of the notes. And it's like two something in the morning. And I, I start having an emotional breakdown is the best way I can describe it. Like I'm full body gasping for air, sobbing in my bed in the middle of the night watching this movie. And I was like, am I okay? Are there things going unaddressed in my life that I'm having this um, intensive a reaction to this movie? And who's to say? That's not for me to say. It's none of my business. But <laughs> it's <laughs> the, the full body heaving, sobbing that was going on oh, in the no. middle of the night was was something. So needless to say... This movie elicited quite the reaction from me. <laughs> Sheesh. I mean, I definitely shed tears, but I like well, I we'll we'll talk mm -hmm. about it later. We'll talk about it yeah. later. There are a couple of contributing factors to the emotional intensity of this yes, film. Absolutely. So before we like talk about the movie or whatever. Of course, you want to know uh, the business mm -hmm. side of things, the freaking money, baby, <laughs> the ka-ching, ka-ching, bling, 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 Prada or nada. Mm -hmm. So the budget for this film was about $5.1 in U.S. dollars, and it actually became one of the highest grossing films like of all time. Like I think it's a fourth. Um, and like Titanic is ahead of it. In Japan, yes. Um, yeah. Oh, in Japan mm -hmm. exclusively. Okay. But yeah, one of the, it's the fourth highest grossing film in Japan. Um, they made 382.2 million USD. So Whew. yeah, yes. huge numbers. Um, I kind of stole the next <laughs> point that we were about to talk about i forgot that this is on here um but yeah so the fourth largest ever behind like titanic and frozen and it is the first anime not directed by miyazaki to earn more than 100 million at the japanese box office mm -hmm. so really big breakthrough i guess in regards to just like extremely popular anime movies yeah it was also the second largest gross for a domestic film in japan behind spirited away so, mm -hmm. like, this movie was huge. It completely exploded. I remember when it came out, um, but the only reason I knew about it is because our friend Cameron actually watched it, and oh, I, like, really? went over to his apartment. He lived with some of our other dear friends, and he had, like, just finished watching it, and he was like, this movie fucked me up so bad. Like, it was so painful. <laughs> so that's all I really knew about the movie going in. So I did know it was going to be emotional, but I didn't know I was going to lose my shit. But yeah, yeah I, I do remember it being like really, really big after he had mentioned it, just kind of like hearing about it out in the mm -hmm. world in the zeitgeist. I mean, he recommended it to you or like told mm -hmm. you about it, but he recommended – the first Miyazaki I saw was like – I forgot the name of it, but it was the one about um, World War II mm -hmm. and there's like 
just like devastation. The saddest. Yeah. The saddest. Oh my goodness. And I was like, why did we like watch? Like, why was this like my intro? <laughs> yeah. Like we couldn't have picked like Kiki's delivery service Ponyo, or like, you know? <laughs> yeah, whatever the fuck. But no, mm. we didn't. Only pain. Only pain. But yeah, this one I, I do find like there's there's a lot of like tonal shifts in this one. So at least when it, it starts out, we get some hee hees, some fun times. Yeah. yeah. It's not all bleak. Mm, for sure. The idea for this story actually came to the director, Shinkai, after he visited Miyagi Prefecture in July 2011 after the Great East Japan earthquake. And he said, this could have been my town and said that he wanted to make a movie in which the positions of the people in Yoriyagi would be swapped with the viewers. Yeah, and that he did. Mm -hmm. And that he did. Also, because of the success of this movie... According to Crunchyroll, it helped push non-Ghibli anime into a more mainstream place in Japan and change trends in how anime films were made and promoted. So mm-hmm. very much like a game changer. Um, and I mean, even like I would say here, really, when people talk about anime, at least like very popular ones, it's always Miyazaki yeah. and like Studio Ghibli. So yeah, pretty pretty much a breakthrough in regards to that genre. Yeah. And for those who don't know, Crunchyroll is actually like a streaming service that is all anime. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess this is only the second anime that I have seen outside of uh, Ghibli movies. The only other thing that I've watched mm-hmm. is I've watched the majority of the Demon Slayer series with my boyfriend and also the movie. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. How do you like it? It's good, but just like stylistically, it's not – well, not stylistically, but just like it's not necessarily my genre. Not like anime, but like this specific show. Like fantasy and like – Because it's kind of about like – these. it's about these like demons that – fucking like right. eat and kill people and then this guy who's trying to like see he's like a demon slayer and he's trying to stop them and it's like a whole mm-hmm. thing and as i've mentioned in previous episodes i have like fight scene blindness and there's right, a lot of fight scenes right. in this so it's just like not as interesting to me story wise mm-hmm. um but it is really good it's it's very well done and like i i like watching it but just i'm like let me watch a romantic drama I want to do that. <laughs> um, what happened to Sleepless in yeah. Seattle? I'm like, I'll but watch a anime romantic drama. That's fine with me. True. There are many out there. So, yeah, Josh like sat me down a couple weeks ago and was like, let's just you know sample some anime offerings yeah. here. <laughs> Logs into Crunchyroll, and we saw like um, Jujutsu Kaisen. Mm-hmm. Which is like jujitsu yeah. high school, <laughs> um, and some other ones as well. But yeah, I, I feel you. Like I think I would like this movie. Yeah. I really enjoyed. So something that's more like slice of life mm. than oh my gosh, like supernatural yeah. fight. But it is like it's it's well made and mm-hmm. uh, it is interesting to watch because it is very different from 
any kind of animation that's like American centric. Our last little tidbit is that even though the film was, you know, receiving really great praise, Koto Shinkai insisted that the film is not as good as it could have been. He said there are things we could not do. Masashi Ando, who is the director of animation, wanted to keep working on it, but had to stop for lack of money. He said, for me, it's incomplete, unbalanced. The plot is fine, but the film is not at all perfect. Two years was not enough. That's so wild to me. And it's a beautiful Mm -hmm. film. Like, the animation is so poignant and the color, the use of color Mm -hmm. in it. I found like to be so remarkable. Yeah. Like it just really draws your eye to like the focal points and like especially day and night mm-hmm. and the idea of like this golden hour and magic hour yeah. and it is so clear to me when I watch it. Yeah. For sure. I I'm so curious like the changes specifically that um both of them wanted to make and what what their ultimate vision was for it because i'm like to me this movie was fucking great but (laughs) um it freaking rocked so very curious what they what they might have done if they had the opportunity but Mm -hmm. luckily we do have a fantastic film out of it anyways but before we dive too far into it Um, We just want to remind you about our Patreon, and coming out next week is going to be our Whip It episode. Very excited to finally get that on rotation, so if you're interested in listening to our Whip It episode, definitely head on over to Patreon and check it out. Yes, and without further ado, should we skyrocket right into it let's do it i gotta grab my tissues first so we open the film to some shots of what looks like maybe debris perhaps falling stars perhaps i don't know a comet falling out of the sky and we hear a voiceover from our two main characters Taki and Mitsua, and they say, once in a while, when I wake up, I find myself crying. The dream I must have had, I can never recall, but the sensation that I've lost something lingers for a long time after I've woken up. I'm always searching for something, for someone. This feeling has possessed me, I think, from the day the stars came falling. It's almost as if it was a scene from a dream. Nothing more, nothing less than a beautiful view. We then have this very long extended title sequence of Mitsua and Taki, and we see like various scenes from throughout the movie in it. We don't know that yet, but this is pretty like Mm -hmm. common and classic in like anime title sequence openings. Yeah, it's almost like a theme song Mm -hmm. moment. Yeah. So then we go to one of our main characters, Mitsuha, she's having a dream and calling out to a boy named Taki and asks if he remembers her. And then she suddenly wakes up in her room and looks down at her body to see that she has breasts. And she's like, what? And starts like touching them and being like, these are so realistic. Like, 
what is this? And that's when her younger sister, Yotsuha, comes in to tell her to get up before she's late. And Mitsuha is really confused. She's not even recognizing her own name. So she walks over to the mirror, um, sheds her nightgown, and like freaks out at her body. Hmm. Mysterious. What could be going on here? Mm. So we then fast forward to the next day, and we're in her family kitchen. She comes out for breakfast with Yotsua and her grandmother and starts taking some rice. And her grandmother is like, oh, you seem back to normal today. And Yotsua is like, yeah, you were acting nuts yesterday. And Mitsua is pretty confused. But we don't have time to dwell on it because then an announcement comes from the Itamori Town Hall talking about how the mayoral election will be held next month. And grandma quickly goes and just like unplugs the intercom. So there's mm-hmm. something up with the mayor. And that's when Mitsua turns on the TV and on the news, they talk about how a comet will be touching down next month. Wow. So Mitsua gets ready for school. She ties her hair up with this red, like, cord and heads off to school with Yotsuha through their seaside town. And on her way, she runs into her friends uh, Sayaka and Tessie, or Tashi. And Sayaka says her hair looks right today. And Tessie asks if her grandma exercised her because she was acting totally possessed yesterday. And Mitsuha's still like, what are you talking about? And Tashi's like, you don't remember. And then they come across the mayor giving a press conference. They're just like, walking to school and happen to be walking by this press conference. Yep. Sure. Um, about restoring the town's fiscal health. And this man says he's probably going to get reelected. He's the incumbent. And in parentheses, Christina wrote, because of bribery. Mm-hmm. Then some kids who are watching this conference notice Mitsuha and her friends and make a comment about how even the mayor's kid and his contractor's kid get along. So mm-hmm. definitely some, some corruption going, going on. Going on. Then Toshiki the Toshiki. I feel like I'd never heard his name in the Yeah, I had movie. to look it up because I don't think they ever address him by name. <laughs> yeah. So Toshiki, the mayor, then calls out to Mitsuha and just like in the middle of this thing Mm -hmm. goes, stand up straight, Mitsuha. And she is humiliated. She's like in front of everybody. Mm -hmm. So in case you haven't clocked it, uh, her dad is the mayor. And I believe, yeah, it's Tessie who's his contractor's son. Yes. So we go to school. Mitsua is in class. She's looking through her notebook, taking notes when she sees on a page somebody has written, who are you? Which would freak me out, that's for sure. And the teacher is teaching about different expressions and she calls on Mitsua who just like shoots out of her seat as soon as she hears her name. And the teacher makes a joke like, oh, you actually remember your name today. And once again... Mitsua is very confused because what the hell is going yeah. on? 
So at lunch, Sayaka fills her in on how yesterday she forgot where her desk was and her locker. Her hair was a mess. She didn't have her ribbon. It was like she had amnesia. Mm. Amnesia, more common than you think, apparently. (laughs) When I tell you it's the leading number one cause of most film plots. Mm -hmm. So Mitsuha is shocked and she's like, I don't know. It feels like I've been in a strange dream lately about someone else's life, but I can't remember. And Tessie says she must be remembering a previous life. And Sayaka tells them to shut it, but that she was acting very weird. And Mitsuha's like, well, I feel fine now. But Sayaka says it might be stress from the upcoming ritual. And Mitsuha says, don't remind me. This town's too small and tight-knit. I can't wait till I graduate and move to Tokyo. And Mitsuha just generally, like, she is so over living in this small town. Mm -hmm. She really wants to have a bigger, I don't know, like, life. Like, she wants to live in a Mm fast-paced city. um, And she feels kind of just, like, trapped here in her town. Yeah, and we'll especially see later on kind of how she feels – trapped by the like very intense tradition that she lives in because of specifically like what where mm-hmm. her family lives and what they do right um, right but we'll get into all that so we then go like it's after school and we kind of have this montage where the the group of friends are walking through the town and they talk about how like oh this town only has Trains that come every two hours. The convenience store closes at 9 p.m. There's no bookstore, no dentist. There's only two pubs and they're right next to each other. There's no jobs, no brides, short sunlight hours. And Tessie gets really fed up with Mitsuha and Sayaka's complaining. He's like, hey, why don't we go to a cafe? And they're like, oh, my God, what? A cafe? This is like huge news. Cut to the cafe in question. It is a coffee vending machine next to a bench. And Tessie and Sayaka sit together and he's like, Mitsuha just like immediately went home. Like she didn't even hang out with us. (laughs) She didn't want to go to the hottest spot in town. That's crazy. Right. And Sayaka says things must be tough for her right now. And then asks Tessie what his plans are after graduating. And he tells her, you know, nothing special. I'll probably just keep living a normal life in this town. It also is never, like, said, but it's very obvious that Tessie has a huge crush on Mitsuha. Yeah. And Sayaka has a crush on Tessie. Yes, for sure. That night, back at Mitsuha's house, her and her sister Yotsua are helping their grandmother Hitoa with her silk braid. She has this like wooden – I don't even know what it's called. I tried to like look up what the name of it is, but it's basically this like mm-hmm. wooden frame that she uses to like braid these these silk cords. And Yeah, it looks like a frame that you might use for weaving. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the closest thing I can think yeah, of. Yeah, and there's like the various like spools of thread that just hang down from it. And 
Yotsua wants to do the actual braiding, but grandmother says she's not ready. She needs to listen to the thread's voice because when she twines like that, eventually emotions will start to flow between her and the thread. And Mitsua explains that what grandmother means is that she needs to concentrate. And grandmother Mm -hmm. says that a thousand years of Itamori's history is etched into their braiding cords and tells a story about how there was this fire 200 years ago that burned down the old shrine and all their old documents. So the meaning of their festivals became unknown and only the form lived on. And says, but even if words are lost, tradition should be handed down. And that's the importance of the Miyamizu shrine. They're the Miyamizu family. Mm -hmm. But her foolish son-in-law, you know, the mayor, turns out he not only left the Shinto priesthood, but also like his family. He like left them. And to mm-hmm. make matters worse, now he's in politics. So. Yeah. Yeah. Grandma's not too happy about that. No. She's not his biggest fan at all. Yeah. I mean, I would not be thrilled if my daughter died and her husband fully just like left his kids behind. <laughs> no, absolutely And we'll see, like, later on, they don't really touch on it too much, but there's, like, a lot of unresolved trauma Mm -hmm. and just, like, like, he was clearly really in love with her and uh, did not take the passing of her or just did not take her passing well at all. And honestly, like, not very different from Mitsuha. He also felt kind of, like, crushed by the pressures of upholding the family tradition and like maintaining the shrine and everything. Yeah. Um, she just, you know, goes about it in a better way than he did. <laughs> yeah. I was interesting seeing their relationship with the family mm-hmm. shrine and thinking about like turning red where they also have right. a family shrine. Or but she she's Chinese yes. in turning red. Um, but just the the obligations are so different. Mm-hmm. And it's portrayed, you know, very differently, which I'm sure, you know, different people have different attachments and everything. But it was, like, so night and day thinking about the two. Definitely. So we go to Tessie's house. Meanwhile, Toshiki is having dinner with his contractor, Tessie's dad, and they are toasting to winning the election soon. And Tessie says that he smells corruption, and his dad orders him to work on the job site this weekend. Later on, Tessie sits at his window and looks across the way to the lights at Mitsuha's house and says they both have it rough. So we go to the Shinto shrine where Mitsuha and Yatsuha are doing this traditional dance. And there's like a bit of an audience that's formed to watch. And some people comment on how the girls look so grown up and they resemble their mother. It's like a gorgeous dance. Yeah, it's stunning. Their outfits, they're like in traditional. I don't know what the proper name for them, the pieces mm-hmm. are, but like they look gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly a very precise and like fluid dance. Yeah. So Tessie joins Sayaka to watch as the girls continue to dance. There's also like um, 
there's like some fire nearby them in these like I don't know, I guess urns that are burning nearby. And the girls sit down on the ground and they unwrap these packages of rice. And Tessie mm-hmm. explains that it's the oldest sake in the world. By chewing on the rice, spitting it out, and letting it ferment, it becomes alcohol. So that's exactly what the girls are doing. They're eating this rice. They're kind of like chewing it and spitting out the liquid into these um, these vials. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, some of the popular kids from earlier who were making fun of Mitsuha come by and they make fun of her again, you know, spitting out the sake really to all. present to the gods. And I'm like, she's literally doing her job. She's honoring her family shrine. She's creating an offering to the gods. Leave her alone. It's so brutal mm-hmm. to do something that's like traditional oh to your culture and then have people yeah. be like, ew, what the hell? Like, they're like, I would Kids never do that in front of people. Ew. Yeah. After the ritual, Yatsuha tells Mitsuha to brush off the fact that her classmates were making fun of her. But Mitsuha is just so embarrassed. She's like, you don't know what it's like being a teenager. And then Yotsuha suggests she sell the sake and use the money to go to Tokyo. And she says, sell them with photos and call it Shrine Maiden Sake. And we see like a flash to an advertisement with Mitsuha like holding the sake. And Mitsuha says that breaks the liquor tax law. And then she just starts booking it down the stairs and then yells into the void, I hate this town. This life. In my next They've life, I want to be a handsome you know, man in Tokyo. You just got to scream it out. <laughs> yeah. And she really does manifest because yes. meanwhile, in Tokyo, the next morning, a boy, Taki, wakes up in his bedroom And very similar to the opening of the movie, he wonders where he is, looks down, is shocked at his body, and that there's something between his legs. And this is pretty much where we get the reveal that it is Mitsuha in Taki's body. It's a body-swapping movie, people. That's right. Oh, my God. So Taki's dad calls him over, and he's like, oh, you woke up too late to have breakfast. You're just going to have to finish up the miso soup before going to school, even if it makes you late. So dad leaves and goes to work and Mitsuha looks around saying that this is a strange dream. And that's when Taki's phone gets a text from Tsukasa, his friend, saying to hurry up because he's late. So Mitsuha rushes to put on Taki's uniform and heads out the door. And then that's when she realizes that she's in Tokyo. So she goes out into the busy street and just like, marvels at the city and all the people milling about on her way to Taki's school. So we go to Kingu, yeah, Kingu Junior High, and Mitsuha makes it to school where she's approached by Taki's friend, Tsukasa, who takes her to the tennis court for lunch because she arrived at noon. So, and he's like, how did you get lost on your way to school? That's when Taki's friend notices there's something different about him and he's speaking in a dialect and doesn't have lunch. And they actually, I thought this was so sweet. They like take half of one of their sandwiches and then uh, Tsukasa 
puts in some like, I don't know if it's like falafel or something. Um, and they give it to him for lunch. Yeah. And it's just so cute. It's so sweet. And then they decide to go to a cafe after class and Mitsuha gets super mm. excited because there is no such place in Itamori. Yeah. So they go to this cafe. It's super cute, um, but it is very expensive, especially by like her standards because, I mean, everything in Tokyo is very expensive. So mm -hmm. she looks at the menu and is like, oh, my God, these prices. But it's a dream. Who cares? Whatever. <laughs> so she orders some pancakes. We have beautiful food in this movie. Once again, beautiful, beautiful animated food. The pancakes look delectable. And as she's eating, she's like, wow, this is such a great dream. But that's when Taki gets a text saying he's late for work. So she has to rush off. But first is like, um... Hey guys, where do I work again? Because she doesn't fucking know. Yeah. Turns out Taki works at a fancy restaurant. So Mitsuha gets to work as a server, just very much struggling, of course. Who wouldn't right. in this situation? And she wonders when this dream is going to end. Then during her shift, she's called over to a table by a snooty guest who says there was a toothpick sticking out of their pizza. Like, what if they were to have eaten it? Mitsuha's like, I don't think we have toothpicks. Like, this is an Italian restaurant. We don't right. <laughs> and the customer gets pissed. And that's when another server, Miss Okudera, goes over to handle it. She offers to comp their meal. And the man pulls out an exacto knife under the table. And I was like, is he going to kill Same. her? I was like, like is what? he going to stab Miss Okudera in the middle of the restaurant? Like, what's happening? Right. So we don't, like, address the knife. And then later when closing, Mitsuha goes to Miss Okudera, who says it was likely just a setup, but, you know, she handled it according to the manual. And that's when they notice her skirt has been slashed by that jerk. What a crazy thing to do. Like, not yes. only are you scamming them out of a free meal, which is whatever, but then you're like, and now I'm going to slash this woman's skirt? Like, that's diabolical. Wait. I agreed. So Mitsuha pulls her into the office and asks for her skirt. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, no, 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 I'll turn around. And then... Ends up, like, sewing up the slash for her with very cute embroidery, mm -hmm. like a little flower, and it looks adorable. Yeah. And Mitsuha thanks her for saving her today, and Miss Okudera says she has actually been worried about him. He's weak but quick-tempered, and at this time, also, mm -hmm. um, Taki has, like, this bandage on his cheek, so... It's kind of like insinuating that maybe he got into a fight recently yeah. or something. But she says she likes him better today and never knew he had a feminine side. Oh, my God. Being, like, mm. kind and respectful to women. How new for you, Taki. Yeah. <laughs> kind and respectful. Hmm, I guess you have a feminine yeah. side. Mitsua takes the train back to Taki's apartment and thinks about how realistic this dream is. And while laying in Taki's bed, she scrolls through his phone and 
looks at how like organized he is. He has even has like a diary in his phone and everything. She looks at photos of his friends. There's photos of Miss Okudera. So she's like, oh, he probably has a crush on her. And she then makes an entry in Taki's diary about how, you know, she talked to Miss Okudera today, walked her to the train station after work, all thanks to her feminine powers. <laughs> and that's when she gets a memory flash to that message in her notebook asking, who are you? So yeah. she writes her name, like she says, I'm Mitsuha, on Taki's hand for him to find in the morning. So in the morning, Taki wakes up to see Mitsuha's name written on his hand and reads the diary entry about her feminine powers. And then at school the next day, Taki's friends ask if he wants to go to the cafe again, but he's like, no, I have to work. And they joke and ask if he remembers where that is today. And Taki accuses them of pranking his phone and just like brushes it off as all of the weird shit being them pranking mm -hmm. him. Um, but they say he's acting normal today. And that's when Tsukasa says, oh, but he was kind of cute yesterday. And he like yeah, blushes. I was like, oh my God, does someone have a crush? Literally. It doesn't ever get addressed ever again. But I was like, oh my God, let's bring that mm -hmm. back. So Taki gets to work where all the other servers are pissed that he like outdid them with Miss Okudera because everybody is obviously like in love with her. She's absolutely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And they're upset that he walked her to the train. And then she strolls in for her shift and even says like a special hello to Taki. So yeah. clearly he's made an impression on her. Definitely. Meanwhile, in Itadori, Mitsuha wakes up the next day back in her body and sees written on her hand, Mitsuha, who are you? What are you? And Yotsuha comes in and mentions that she's not touching her boobies this morning. <laughs> and Mitsuha is just horrified. Yeah. So she goes to school where everybody is absolutely staring at her and asks Sayaka why this could possibly be. And she says, oh, well, you made quite the scene yesterday. And we flash back to yesterday. I think they're in art class. And some kids are talking shit about Mitsuha's dad in the election. And Taki decides to kick a desk over and just stare them down. Like, you want to say something, say it to my face kind of thing. Yeah. And Mitsuha is horrified. So she rushes home and looks through her own journal pages while Taki is looking through the diary on his phone, and they both realize that the dreams that they've been having aren't dreams. They have, in fact, been <gasps> switching places every other day. Oh, my God. Fun montage time. <laughs> do, do, do. And we didn't really mention it yet, the soundtrack in this movie is awesome. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So we get a montage of Mitsuha and Taki waking up in each other's bodies. In their voiceover, they explain that they set up some ground rules to protect their lives. And we see a list. It says, like, no baths, no looking, no touching. Don't waste money. No dialect. Don't be late. 
to leave reports in their phones about their days and work together to tide over this phenomenon. But their own personalities can't help getting in the way, like Taki making a Mitsuha play sports and Mitsuha eating pancakes <laughs> at the cafe every day, just like spending Taki's I money. I she takes a picture of every single one. Yes. Yeah. The phonies first. Mm. So Taki complains that silk braids are too hard, and then Mitsuha complains that he works too many shifts, and Taki builds a makeshift table and umbrella set up at the coffee vending machine, so it's like a cafe for Mitsuha and her friends. That was so cute. Yeah, isn't that sweet? Meanwhile, Mitsuha walks Miss Okudara to the train station every night, and they even get coffee. Whoa. And, like, at their school and work and everything, boys and girls are just confessing their love for Mitsuha, I guess, courtesy of Taki's personality. She's like, Taki, why did a girl come and profess her love to me today? And she, like, is giving uh, Mitsuha this envelope with, like, a heart sticker on it. Yeah. Then they both get mad at each other for messing with each other's love lives and both insist that they're single because they want to be. Hmm, interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this movie does a really good job at kind of showing those those just awkward moments you have when you're a teenager. It shows the growing pains yeah. of adolescence very well. And this whole montage is so fun. Oh, yeah, definitely. Taki then wakes up in Mitsuha's body once again and immediately goes to touch her boobs, but then stops himself and is like, no, I shouldn't for her sake for literally two seconds before he just goes and does it anyways. Um, So that's super cool. <laughs> and meanwhile, on the news, they report about how the comet has been visible for days now and they talk about the different points that it's visible from so keep that in your back pocket for later then we go to the forest where grandma takes mitsuha and yotsuha to the shinto shrine on a mountain near itamori and their grandma gets very tired during the journey so taki as, as mitsuha um has her get onto her back and she actually carries her for the rest of the way so pretty generous mm -hmm. pretty like nice yeah like to taki do. does have his moments like like we said he has a temper but he ultimately mm -hmm. is like a pretty kind person yeah i would say he's pretty like generous mm -hmm. he's really like cognizant of money and mm -hmm. like paying for things but he's a generous guy yeah that's when grandma tells them about Musubi, the old way of calling the local guardian god. And she says tying thread is Musubi, connecting people is Musubi, the flow of time is Musubi. These are all the gods' power. So the braided cords that we make are the gods' art and represent the flow of time itself. They converge and take shape. They twist, tangle, Sometimes unravel, break, then connect again. Musubi, nodding. That's time. Very beautiful verbiage, this incredibly deeply rooted tradition. There are a couple of phrases that like come back and this is one of them. So just keep this in your mind. 
And then they stop to have a drink, and Grandma says that's mitsubi, whether it be water, rice, or sake. When a person consumes something, it joins their soul. So today's offering is an important custom that connects people to God. They finally make it to the isolated shrine, and Grandma says that this area is known as the underworld. And in exchange for returning, you must leave what is most important to you, the Kuchikamasaki, and uh, that's going to be their offering. And Grandma says Mitsuha must offer it since it is half of her. Taki takes the bottle and they go inside to offer it. Then they make the journey back home while the sun is setting and come across this just gorgeous lake. And Taki marvels at the view and Yotsuha says maybe she'll be able to see the comet. And Grandma asks Mitsuha if she's dreaming right now. And Taki wakes up back in his own body in tears. Oh my gosh. This whole sequence is so beautiful. And, you know, like you said, this this kind of concept of Misubi will come back a lot throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. There's also one of the big kind of themes of this movie is just what connects people. We see pretty often this imagery of the red cord that um, – Mitsuha wears in her hair and we see it kind of like in multiple scenes connecting Taki and Mitsuha and it's actually a reference to the legend of the red string which is like a Japanese legend and it's about how like human relations are predestined by this red string that the gods tie to the pinky fingers of those who find each other in life. What I've read is that legend has it that the two people connected by this thread will have an important story regardless of the time, place, or circumstances. Mm. And yeah, I thought that that concept was just really, really beautiful. And later we'll see some more stuff about that. But yeah, it's it's referencing this very real uh, legend. I didn't know that. That's very interesting. Mm. So Taki, who is back, you know, in his body in Tokyo – then sees a text from Miss Okudera. He's supposed to meet her for a date. Oh, my God. What? So he rushes out the door. He makes it to the train station just in time to meet her. She looks beautiful as always. And she takes his hand. Off they go for their date. Yeah. Mitsuhi is in Itadori and just thinks about how Taki is so lucky and how they're probably together for their date right now and that's when she notices in the mirror that she is crying oh my god she has some feelings yeah at first i thought it was for miss okudera yeah. but then i was like oh she wants to be going on a date with yeah Taki. It, it really could yeah. go either way honestly <laughs> so Taki and miss okudera go to an observation deck They have lunch together. We hear Mitsuha's message telling Taki, I wanted to go on this date, but if it so happens that you end up going, you better enjoy it. However, I'm sure you've never been out on a date, so below are some links on being a late bloomer. And Taki is in fact struggling, and he looks at the message in the bathroom and thinks Mitsuha is making fun of him, which like enrages him. Mm -hmm. And he goes to a photo exhibit with Miss Okudera next and sees a photo of the lake from yesterday. So he stares at the photo, just kind of entranced by it, remembering his day in Itamori yesterday. 
and Miss Okudera tells him he looks like a different person today. So later, as they walk towards the train station, he asks if she wants to go get dinner, but she says that they should call it a day. And she says, sorry if I'm wrong, but you used to have a crush on me, right? But now you like someone else? And Taki is like, what are you talking about? Like, no, not at all. I don't like anybody else. It's, you're crazy. That's crazy. That's so crazy. Yeah, you silly goose. And she says, oh, well, well, thanks for today, and I'll see you at work. And she walks away, and Taki's just left, you know, having to ponder that maybe he might have feelings for somebody else. Yeah. Taki reads the last of Mitsuha's text messages about how by the time the date is over, the comet will be visible in the sky. And he looks up and wonders what Mitsuha is saying. And that's when he decides to call her. <gasps> oh, my gosh. So Mitsuha's phone rings, but it's Tessie. So he is called to ask if she is coming to the Comet Festival tonight. And she says – she initially she says that she wasn't really up for it, but then decides that she'll come by later. And we don't see Mitsuha's face in this scene. We just kind of see that she's – like sitting on the ground, she sounds really sad and withdrawn. So we go to the festival, and while waiting for Mitsuha to show up, Sayaka teases Tessie that the only reason he called Mitsuha was because he wanted to see her in a yukata, which is like the dress that she's wearing, um, which he clearly does because he has a crush on her. Mitsuha shows up, and they are shocked to see that Girlie did a big old chop. Oh, she yeah. has a bob now. And as they walk to the festival, Tessie asks Sayaka if the haircut is because like a guy ditched her or something. And Sayaka is like, "Ugh, boys always think that haircuts have something to do with them. I don't know. She just says that she felt like it. Mitsuha then points out the comet like it's fully visible from where they are on the road. So she like runs off the road into this field so that they can get a better look at it. And we see this gorgeous panning shot as Mitsuha watches the comet and we see the comet's path and watch as it splits in two, which is a very big deal. Back in Taki's world, the call to Mitsuha goes unanswered. And he thinks that he'll tell her about the bad date next time they switch. But for some reason after that, Mitsuha and him never switch places again. <gasps> oh my god. Yeah. So we get a Taki montage. And Taki sits in his room. He becomes very obsessed with these places in Itomori and his memories of being in Mitsuha's life. So he's drawing like all of these things that he saw in the city and he's withdrawn at school, just kind of going through the motions of life until uh, he can get back to his drawings pretty much. And he also Googles pictures of different mountainscapes, trying to figure out if he's gotten it right. Then one morning he takes all of his drawings off the wall and puts them in his backpack and he ties the red braided cord around his wrist and goes to the train station. At the station, he runs into Miss Okudera and Tsukasa, who have decided to join him to Itadori because they were worried about him going to meet Mitsuha all by himself. 
there's like a brief sentence where he's like, you met online, you know, someone might be catfishing (laughs) you. Yeah, because obviously he didn't tell them, oh, there's this girl I've been switching bodies with. (laughs) Why would you? (laughs) So while they're on the train, Taki tells them that he, he actually doesn't know where she lives. He only knows the scenery. So they basically have to stop in like every little teeny town showing the drawings to the locals to try and find Itamori because for some reason in all of his time in her body, he never bothered to be like, hey, where am I? Where? <laughs> what? Where, is there a town sign somewhere? I feel like he probably knew at the time. Yeah. But because of the memory. Yeah, that's true. Stuff. The memories do fade. Forgot it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So eventually Taki is ready to give up, but they end up stopping at this ramen place for lunch. And as they eat, Taki suggests that they go back to Tokyo. He's starting to feel like he's barking up the wrong tree. And that's when the server notices his drawing and recognizes it as Itamori because her husband was born there. <gasps> Oh, my God. So Taki jumps out of his seat, super excited, and asks, oh, Itamori, is it nearby? And the chef, her husband, is taken aback. And he's like, is is it nearby? And Tsukasa and Miss Okudera recognize the town name, Itamori. That's the place where the comet hit. Cut to Itamori. There's caution tape and keep out signs at the town border. And Taki just runs to the fence and from high above sees the ruins of the town, just completely destroyed by the comet. And he's incredibly distraught. And Tsukasa says he can't be right. You know, surely he remembers that this comet took hundreds of lives three years ago. Three years ago. Right. You can only imagine the questions. But Taki can't believe it. And he says, like, I still have all of the memories from Mitsuha. But he checks his phone again. And the messages are erasing just one after the other after the other, like totally gone. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. This, like, twist of she's been dead for three years fucked me. Absolutely fucked me. No, of course, of course, especially when you're in this like teeny bobber stage mm-hmm. of your life and you're like, I'm going to go meet Demi Lovato <laughs> or something. And you, oh, my God, I literally <laughs> just closed my eyes and am drifting off. Holy shit. Yeah, I saw that happen in real time. I was like, Demi Lovato, that's who we're. <laughs> Why did I say that? Hold on. Let me just like. Was I – You said – I was talking about the messages being deleted. Yeah, and then you said, yeah, when you're in this teeny bopper phase of life and you're like, I'm going to go meet Demi Lovato. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with me? Hold on. I think I was thinking about how <laughs> – stay with me here. I think I was thinking about how I would have dreams of – meeting famous people mm. and then I would wake up and be like oh that was a dream a dream or maybe like, not maybe like we're the memories. in someone else's body <laughs> but the memories yeah. of 
of those experiences from the dreams, from the dreams people mm-hmm. are being like erased <laughs> right before your eyes. There we go. You brought it back. You brought it back. Yes. Yes. <sighs> I, 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 okay. So after this complete bombshell, also another thing to mention is that when he goes to see the ruins, Ichimori like has this beautiful, huge lake, right? And when he goes to see the town now, there's like a second giant lake right next to it. And like that's where the comet hit. And that's something to keep in your back pocket for later. So they go to the library and Taki reads everything that he possibly can about this comet that hit Itomori three years ago, leaving 500 dead or missing on the day of the autumn festival. So they look through a list of the victims, and unfortunately, Taki does find Tessie, Sayaka, and Mitsuha's names. Absolutely devastating, and he just doesn't understand how this is possible, because just three weeks ago, Mitsuha was telling him that the comet would be visible. And that's when he hears Hitoa's voice in his head asking if he's dreaming like she had asked him before time is fluid it's all around us it's misubi it's fucking misubi so tsukasa miss okudera and taki go to a hotel tsukasa and miss okudera are in the lounge while taki's upstairs reading he gets a coffee and asks what she thinks about taki's story and miss okudera says she liked him he had been such a nice guy lately and was trying so hard. But what Taki is saying doesn't make sense to her. But she's sure that he met someone who changed him just because of his like behavior lately. And that's true. Yeah. He did meet someone who has been significantly changing him. But it is interesting seeing her perception of this like body switch versus I feel like in Mitsuha's life, a lot of the times when Taki's in her body – there's like trouble ensuing. Well, because she's she's more of a a reserved person, definitely. Whereas Taki can be very boisterous and like he does, st- he stands up for Mitsuha when he's in her body, like when he stands up to the people making fun of her. And unfortunately, like that's just not taken as well when you're a girl and expected to maybe be more polite and demure. So just like different implications of what he does being in her body versus in his own. But we go upstairs to the hotel room and Taki is once again just looking at his empty diary and his phone and says, you know, it was all a dream. He only remembered the scenery because he saw it on the news three years ago, right? Like otherwise, was he talking to a ghost? Was he fantasizing her name? What was it? Like, he can't even remember her name. The memories just keep fading further and further. <sighs> Absolutely kills me. So, Miss Okudera comes in and Taki does thank her for coming on this very weird journey with him. Later on, as they keep looking through books, Miss Okudera comes across the braided cords of Itamori and notices that Taki is wearing one of the cords. And he says someone must have given it to him a long time ago, but he can't remember. His memories of Mitsuha are fading. And Miss Okudera 
just thinks he's like under pressure or stress or something. And she suggests he go take a bath. But Taki just stares at his wrist and says, someone who makes braided cords told him before that cords represent the flow of time itself. The threads twist, tangle, unravel, and connect again. That's time. Then he remembers the shrine mm. and he pulls out a map. Oh so gosh. he might be able to figure out where to go after all. We cut to the morning. Taki has fallen asleep trying to find the shrine on the map. And as he sleeps, Mitsuha calls out to him asking if he remembers her. And that's when Ms. Okudera eventually wakes up and sees a note from Taki telling them that he has to go somewhere and they should just go back to Tokyo without him. And then we cut to the forest where the waitress's husband drives Taki to the shrine and gives him a bento box to eat up there. I thought that he was going to take this box and make more um, of the like traditional sake but he just eats a snack. Yeah. <laughs> so the waitress's husband compliments him on his drawing of Itamori and just, you know, lets him off to go on this solo hike. On his way to the shrine, Taki actually gets hit with a thunderstorm and has to hide out in this cave. And he looks at the braided cord bracelet and contemplates the phrase that he learned from Mitsuha. They twist, tangle, unravel now and then, break, and reconnect. That's what a union is, what time is. And Taki makes it to the peak of the mountains and finally sees the ruins of the shrine. Yeah. So he walks up and there's like this big, not a moat on purpose, but like this, uh, you mm. know, puddle, big, big... We got water surrounding it. It's like a divot in the ground and it's filled with water. Yeah. And Taki just says, what lies ahead is the netherworld. So he wades through the water and then actually goes underground to access the shrine and sees the rice wine bottles still intact from all those years ago. He realizes that when they switched places, it was before the comet that hit three years ago and their timelines somehow got tangled. So Taki uncorks the wine, pours out a cap full, and he asks Masubi if time can be unraveled to give him one more chance and drinks. So Taki stands up and he falls back and sees a comet drawing on the cave wall. And the drawing like comes to life, it becomes animated, and we see twisting threads and Taki underwater, the comet moving across the globe. We see a cell, an embryo, and thus enfolds all of the events of Mitsuha's life. So we see her being born and her umbilical cord being cut. Mitsuha with her family and her mom announcing that she'll be a big sister. Then we see her mom falling ill. And after her mother's passing, it's her father's responsibility to maintain the shrine, but he doesn't want to, and we see him leave. I think he says something like, I, I like, loved my wife. I didn't love, like, the, sh the shrine or this tradition. Like, the reason he was doing it was because of his wife, and now that she's gone, he doesn't feel like that responsibility to do it anymore kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. 
So we see him leave. The girls go to live with their grandmother. And Mitsuha, we see her crying in the mirror about Taki going on his date with Miss Okudera. We see her telling her sister that she's going to Tokyo. We see her asking her grandmother to cut her hair. And we see her getting ready to go see the comet. And Taki tries to warn her to get out of town before it strikes. But we see Mitsuha watching the comet and Taki just yelling out to her to try and stop, trying to stop fate. Yeah. <sighs> Back in Itamori, Taki as Mitsuha wakes up and opens her eyes. And he can't believe she's alive and starts to cry. That's when Yotsuyo comes in to Mitsuha. Once again, touching her boobs. And just, like, sobbing. <laughs> right. And she, like, runs up to try to hug her. But she, like, closes the door, just terrified. And then downstairs, Yotsuha tells her grandma that Mitsuha has finally lost it. And she'll be, like, going and heading out first today. So while all of this is going on, the news is also on. And... The newscaster explains that the comet will be at its brightest today. Mitsuha realizes that the comet is tonight and there's still time left. Mitsuha's grandma comes over and is taken aback and she lowers her eyeglasses and asks, you're not Mitsuha, are you? And Mitsuha's like, did you already know? But she tells her she didn't. It was just seeing her behavior stirred up some memories. Her. So Taki sits with grandmother. They have some tea and grandmother reveals that when she was a young girl, she actually had some strange dreams herself. And she says she doesn't really remember who she was in those dreams anymore. She doesn't remember the person whose life she was dreaming about. But she tells Taki to just treasure the experience. She and Mitsuha's mother went through this. And Taki asks, what if all those dreams that the Miyamizu people had were about today? And that's when Taki tells grandmother that the comet is going to fall on Itamori and demolish it, and they're all going to die. Cut to Taki as Mitsuha just, you know, sprinting up the hill, thinking about how he didn't expect that from Mitsuha's grandma. And Taki as Mitsuha says like what their grandma said. Nobody is going to believe that. But she doesn't care. There's no way she's going to let them all die. So Taki meets up with Tessie and Sayaka who are shocked by Mitsuha's haircut because in this timeline they haven't seen it yet. And Taki's just like fuck the hair. Never mind the hair. If we don't do something about tonight everybody's going to die. And it's up to us to save everyone. Huge, tall order for a bunch of high schoolers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just a few hours to get it done. So they send Sayaka to a convenience store to get a bunch of snacks. And the cashier is like, oh, shouldn't you be in school? And Sayaka is like, well, I sort of have to like save the town or something. <laughs> so meanwhile, Taki and Tessie are talking about the uh, intercom system that's all over town. And they figure that they can probably use the speakers if they get into the right frequency. So 
Taki like scoots over and tells Tessie, nice job. And he like jumps up on the couch and is like, oh, you shouldn't be sitting so close to me. Like it's not proper. I thought that was so random. I was like, why did they include that? Yeah, it seems just kind of out of place. But I guess just to, you know, hit home that he does think this is Mitsuha. I don't know. But Sayaka comes back in with the snacks and they go over the plan. Apparently what they're planning to do is uh, set off a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Sayaka's like, a bomb. bomb. <laughs> so Tessie explains that they have water gel explosives that they use for construction and they can use a startup frequency to hijack the town's warning system and make this emergency evacuation broadcast from school. And Haki explains that the school is actually outside of the danger zone. The comet won't affect that area. So they'll just have everyone evacuate to the high school. They've also put Sayaka in charge of the broadcast because uh, she's on the broadcast club. Like she's in the broadcast club at school. Yeah, I'm sure it really prepared her for this moment. Yeah. Saving her town from a meteor. Absolutely. This is what she's been training for. And... They put Tessie in charge of the explosives, and it is Taki's job as Mitsuha to go and talk to Daddy Mayor and try and convince him to make an evacuation announcement from the town hall. Otherwise, people won't listen. So Sayaka is like, okay, whatever, I'll do it. Like, it's just a theory. This probably isn't even real. But Tessie brings up how the Itomori Lake was formed. It was a meteor that created a crater a thousand years ago. So remember how we said that there was like the two lakes right next to each other? That's how the first one was formed, was literally from a meteor. So they got to evacuate the town. Very interesting how this meteor continues to destroy their traditions because Mm -hmm. like in the very beginning – Mitsuha's grandma talks about how um, they don't know why they do a lot of the traditions they do now anymore because everything was burned down. Yeah. But they continue to do them. And it kind of makes you wonder if the town is destroyed, that history has no yeah. like place to establish itself. It's just like lost to time. Yeah. So we go to the mayor, Mitsuha chats with her father in his office about evacuating everyone. He tells her to shut up. He really feels frustrated by her coming in and saying all this to him. Mitsuha's dad just gets very, very angry that she would spout this nonsense to him. And he takes this as a sign that she's seriously sick. I don't know if it's in combination with just her behavior lately or the fact that he's just incredibly mad about her saying this and with the election, whatever. So he's like, I'll get you a car to the city hospital for an examination. We'll have this conversation like after you've had a medical professional look at you. (laughs) So Mitsuha gets very angry and walks up to the mayor, pulls on his tie. And obviously it's Taki. So he's somehow very strong, even though it's Mitsuha's body. Right. Um, But he, like, grabs the tie, almost choking him, it looks like. And she lets go. And then they both stare at each other. And the mayor is like, who are you? 
Yeah, so needless to say, that part of the plan did not work. Mm-hmm. Um, did not come to fruition. So we see in town all the vendors are setting up their tents for the festival. Meanwhile, Taki just, you know, walks home defeated. And that's when uh, he comes across Yotsuha, who is saying goodbye to her friends, and they all talk about, like, meeting up tonight to see the comet. Mm-hmm. And as they're walking away, Taki yells at the kids and is like, you shouldn't go. Like, you need to leave town. Tell all your friends. And Yotsuha goes up to her sister and is like, hey, what the fuck are you doing yelling at my friends? And Taki just, like, asks himself it was if it was Mitsuha, like, would she have been able to convince her father and wonders if it's his fault and makes Yatsuha promise to leave town with her grandmother before dark and tells her that she's going to die if she stays here. Uh, this this whole like moment with telling the little kids like, don't go, don't go, like you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Like it was really like just very emotionally charged. Yeah. Um, especially because at that age, Yatsuha – is like, what? What do you mean? Like, what are you saying? Like, it's super scary. Mm-hmm. It's just terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. So Yatsuha asks what she's talking about and like why she went to Tokyo yesterday. And Taki is surprised to hear that Mitsuha went to Tokyo. So Tessie and Sayaka then come up and Taki has to reveal that, you know, he did not manage to convince the mayor. Mm-hmm. So Taki is still like reeling from this news that – Mitsuha went to Tokyo yesterday, presumably to see him. And that's when he hears like the twinkling of the bells in the distance and sees the shrine and then wonders if Mitsuha could be over there. Mm -hmm. So Taki just, you know, hijacks Tessie's bike and starts riding over to the shrine and yells back to Tessie and Sayaka to just like keep going with the with their plan, you know, as determined and he'll be back. So in the shrine, Taki slash Mitsuha wakes up and realizes she's Taki again. So Mitsuha's in Taki's body in that like cavern that Taki went to. And she wonders why Taki was here. So Mitsuha climbs a mountain and sees the town is gone. And he sees a flashback of Mitsuha and the explosion. She just crumples to the ground and realizes that everyone has passed away from this comet. God, I can only imagine, like, the absolute, like, mindfuck and devastation that is Mm -hmm. to realize that you died, like, to remember your own death. Yeah, right. Come to the realization that, like, you died, everyone you love died, and, Mm -hmm. yeah, just... I thought it was really well done, though, because, I mean, Mitsuha kind of just, like, crumples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, like, really kind of, like, this point onwards where my emotional spiral oh my gosh, Sam. began yeah. and didn't end until, you know, I'll let you guys know when. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. And then this next part is absolutely brutal. So... Okay, got to prepare myself. Taki is furiously biking back to the shrine and hears Mitsuha whispering in his head, Taki, don't you remember? And then we go 
back to yesterday. And we see Mitsuha on the train. Earlier, you know, she told Yatsuha that she's going to Tokyo for a few hours for a date. And Yatsuha asks if she has a boyfriend in Tokyo, but Mitsuha clarifies she didn't say, like, it was a date for her. So she says she'll be back tonight. And while on the train, Mitsuha wonders if she just shows up unannounced, if it'll be a nuisance or like a good surprise. She's kind of worried about how Taki's going to react to meeting her for the first time. Mm-hmm. So she arrives in Tokyo and she tries to call Taki, but the number can't be reached. So she figures, you know, maybe she won't run into him. But she decides to, like, take a bus and is like, oh, but what if it does happen? Mm-hmm. She wonders if it'll be awkward or if Taki will be glad to see her. Like, she's super, super nervous. There's been a lot of buildup to this. Yeah. And obviously, like, she has feelings for him. So she keeps trying to call him. But the number just – it just doesn't go through. And she figures that she won't meet him. But there is one thing that she's sure of. If they see each other, they'll know right away. Ah. That he was the one who was in her and she was the one that was in him. So she's waiting for the train home and the train arrives in the station and Mitsuha gasps and runs to the train and steps inside looking for one specific person. It's Taki. <gasps> but this but this is three years ago, so he doesn't know her. He doesn't know her. Oh, and you like you know what's coming and that it's gonna absolutely crush her, but there's nothing that can be done. I love her sentences when she's traveling to Tokyo and she's like, mm-hmm. Well, what if I show up? Would it be a nuisance or a surprise? Would it be awkward or would he be glad to see me? And she's kind of just like having these ruminations. Mm-hmm. And I didn't write them down verbatim, but like the way it's phrased yeah. is like very beautiful and like hopeful and also like coy and anxiety ridden and uh, mm-hmm. yeah I just thought it was uh, really good yeah and like you know it's it's even more devastating because you know what's coming you know that it's three years ago mm-hmm. and that it's not gonna go the way that she wants it to not through yeah. anyone else not through anyone's fault it's just like time curious time let me know <laughs> let me know <laughs> The way Invisible String was, like, playing in my head this entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. So Taki, as Mitsuha, continues to ride Tashi's bike up to the shrine, but he hits a rock and the bike literally falls into, like, this little, like, ditch cavern thing. Mm. And Mitsuha, Taki, Taki, Mitsuha, (laughs) holds on to a tree branch just like narrowly escaping death and manages to hoist himself up to keep running. And Taki realizes that Mitsuha came to visit him three years ago before Mm -hmm. he even knew her. And we cut back to the bus and Mitsuha says Taki's name. He finally looks up, (gasps) but he doesn't know who she is. And Taki in his head just thinks like, oh, what a weird girl. And Mitsuha is like red in the face and just like so embarrassed. And the bus stops and Mitsuha goes to get off. But as she's walking off, 
he shouts out to her, wait, what's your name? And she calls out to Taki and undoes the cord in her hair. And she says, Mitsuha, and like tosses it to Taki. And Taki takes the cord and we cut back to the woods and Taki is running and running and thinking about how three years ago she showed up to see him. Cut to a beautiful picture of the sky. Kill it absolutely killed me. The moment where she like undoes the cord and like reaches out yeah. to him. <sighs> Just like them them standing in this crowded train so close to each other and there's like a million people around, but they're the only two that matter. If that's not a Taylor Swift song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like the the absolute heartbreak and devastation when they look into each other's eyes and she's like you know, she thought to herself, like, we're going to see each other and we're going to know that, like, yeah. that it's us and just getting nothing from him. Yeah. Just, it destroyed me. It absolutely killed me. I don't know what the word, what the proper word is, but she was just, like, absolutely certain. Mm -hmm. And she was like, this is, like, the thing that I can hold on to, that if we'll ever see each other, we'll know right yeah. away and it didn't happen <sighs> yeah and especially because even though they they haven't met until mm -hmm. this moment they know each other so intimately like there's there's no way to know someone more intimately than like literally living inside of their body inside of their life for as long mm -hmm. as they have and to just, like, feel this strong connection to another person and know them so well and feel like that's not reciprocated. Heartbreaking. So we go back to the mountaintop where Mitsuha, who is in Taki's body, last we saw she had, like, collapsed upon the realization that she died and her town was destroyed. Meanwhile, Taki is running to the edge of the hills surrounding the shrine and calling out to Mitsuha in his body. Mitsuha calls out to Taki and they can hear each other, but they can't see each other. And they kind of like keep running towards each other unknowingly until they pass a certain point and they get like, you know, a feeling of each other's presence and they realize that they're both there. I think that they hear the little like tinkling mm -hmm. of the bell as well. Yeah. And the clouds shift and Taki realizes that it's magic hour. I, I believe in – because I watched just the, the Japanese version with subtitles. I believe it was just referred to as Twilight. And they finally are able to see each other face to face. So Taki, now in his own body – tells Mitsuha he came all the way here to see her, which wasn't easy. And Mitsuha asks how that's even possible, and he tells her that he drank some of her sake. So she steps back and immediately gets red in the face at the fact that he drank that, because obviously that's, like, very personal. Like, he literally drank her saliva, right. essentially. And she gets kind of offended, and she calls him a stupid pervert, and is like, oh, and like, were you touching my boobs? And he's like, I, I, maybe I was. 
And she's like, yeah, Yatsuha saw you. And he's like, I couldn't help myself. It was just one time. And Mitsuha says that how many times isn't the issue? And Taki apologizes. And that's when Mitsuha notices his bracelet, the braided cord. And he tells her that it's from when she visited Tokyo, but he didn't know her yet. And he's kept it all this time. I know. She was always a part of him. He just didn't even know it. It's Masubi. So he gives her the cord back and she ties it in her hair. She does it kind of like a little headband with a bow on the side. And she asks mm-hmm. what he thinks. And he's like, um, it's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> and she knows that he's lying. He's like, okay, okay, I am. And she asks why he's got to be like that. And like they end up laughing together. Yeah. And we pan up to see, you know, the comet is coming. It's like visible in the sky. And Taki reminds Mitsuha that she still has a lot to do and not to worry. She still has enough time. So Mitsuha tells Taki she'll do her best. And that's when she realizes that magic hour twilight is almost over. And Taki suggests that they write down their names so they don't forget them when they wake up. So he writes his name on her hand first, and as she goes to start like writing her name on his, suddenly the pen drops and she's gone. <sighs> the way that like my heart sank at this moment, it's so abrupt and so devastating. And I'm like, is it the, because of the twilight or is it because of the comet? I'm yeah. Like, What's going to happen? <laughs> Oh my gosh. This whole scene, I was just like sobbing uncontrollably. And then when the pen dropped, I lost it. It's also like they're on this just gorgeous Mm -hmm. mountain ridge. The scenery is stunning. With the sky in the background. Yeah. The way that they depict the sky as well, like Mm -hmm. um, the sun and the clouds and the sunbeam and like – it's like fleeting mm-hmm. and it's so stunning and it just adds to like the tension of this chance meeting yeah. that is going to end so quickly like as the sun continues to set. Yeah. I mean like everything in this movie feels so ephemeral especially because like when they wake up, those memories like fade. They're gone and mm-hmm. like the grandmother said like, oh yeah, as time goes on, like you forget these things. And it just it made me think about how like – we forget like most of our lives we forget days on end as we get older just because your brain doesn't store that information right it's just really sad and scary that like we forget so many of the like mundane things so that's why it's so important to like enjoy those things in the moment stop and smell the roses just like enjoy those little little things while they're happening because one day you won't Mm -hmm. remember them yeah so Taki calls out for Mitsuha, but she's gone. And he's devastated because he was planning to say to her, wherever you are in the world, I swear that I'll find you again, no matter what. And he just keeps repeating to himself, your name is Mitsuha. Your name is Mitsuha. Her name is Mitsuha. And he just keeps repeating it and goes to write it down on his hand. And he looks down at his hand and just sees like that dash from Mm -hmm. when like the pen dropped and her name is gone. He's already forgotten it. 
He doesn't even remember why he came here. And he's like, I came all this way to see her. I came to save her. I wanted her to be alive. What was her name? Like, he can't remember her. Just that it was someone precious and someone that he doesn't want to forget. And he just starts crying because he can't remember her name. So we cut back to Mitsuha, who's now in her own body, running down from the hill and trying to keep remembering Taki's name. And meanwhile, the crowd and the vendors have all gathered to view the comet, which is lighting up the sky. And Mitsuha sees Tessie drive up to the Itamori substation. And he's like, where have you been? And she's like, I'm sorry, like I broke your bike. And Tessie takes out the explosives and asks if she is sure about the comet. And she tells him she saw it with her own eyes. And Tessie says they're officially criminals. He breaks open the chain on the fence. Then they call Saya to tell her to make the broadcast. Once the power goes out, the emergency generator should kick in and she can just go ahead and just repeat it as many times as possible. So... Mitsuha and Tessie have like driven on his motorbike away from the substation and she asks if the explosives should be going off. Cue the substation exploding. Mm. And all of the lights go down in town just section by section. Sirens go off and over the speakers, Saya gives the evacuation warning. She advises people in the uh, Kadori district Sakagami District, Miyamori, and Oyazawa to evacuate and go to the high school. And in the town hall, the mayor realizes that the broadcast is not from them. And Tessi and Mitsuha just run through the town. They're like, everyone evacuate, everyone go to the high school. Like, there could be wildfires. And in the announcement, that's what they say. They're like, oh, a fire's broken out, like there could be wildfires. As they're running and and trying to warn everyone, um, Tessie like goes up to Mitsuha and he's like, what's wrong? Like what's going on? And she's just wide-eyed and like teary-eyed. And she tells him she can't remember what his name is anymore. Tessie gets angry and asks what's with her. She's the one who started all of this. And tells her that they can't evacuate everyone without firefighters. She needs to convince her father. So Mitsuha runs to town hall. This is so inconsequential, but I just forgot to mention it before. Mm -hmm. But when Tessie was like, oh, did she cut her hair because like a boy broke her heart? Turns out she did because it was after Taki didn't recognize her in Tokyo that she chopped all her hair off. And I'm like... Relatable. Yeah. The big chop. Yeah. But we're back in this very, very stressful moment. This, this like whole 25 minute sequence is incredibly stressful. I'm like biting my nails. Yeah. We go to the town hall. Everyone's trying to figure out what the hell is going on, where this announcement's coming from. The mayor is, like, trying to figure out if this threat of wildfires is real, and he just yells at somebody to shut down the broadcast. Mm -hmm. And another employee comes in to tell him that the broadcast is actually coming from the high school. 
We then see Sayaka get apprehended at the school and like the broadcast gets cut. Mm -hmm. So the town hall then makes an announcement for everybody to remain in their homes until further notice. So everybody stops evacuating and Tessie just like watches everybody kind of like relax and in a panic just tries to like yell at everybody. You still need to evacuate. But his dad finds him and is like, son, like, what are you doing? And Tessie just whispers his apologies to Mitsuha because, like, this is the end. And in the sky, he sees the comet splitting apart, diverging into two paths. The news explains that the comet is now splitting apart and the meteors are falling to Earth. All over the world, people are watching this comet, and on the news, they hypothesize that the fragments will burn up before they even reach the ground. An expert says that witnessing this spectacle with their bare eyes, it strikes them that living in such an age has never felt more fortunate than now. Like, people are just more so enamored by, like, the fantastic nature of this event rather than thinking oh could there be any consequences of this like it falling on civilians so mitsuha is running to the town hall to talk to her father and she just kind of like talks to herself and wonders like who are you trying to remember taki and she hears you know someone precious someone i shouldn't forget someone i want to know and she keeps running and that's when she trips and ends up like falling down the pavement rolling 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 for like a long time and like passes out and she thinks about Taki saying so they don't forget each other when they wake up let's write down our names so she opens her eyes looks at her closed fist opens her hand and it doesn't say Taki's name it says (sighs) I love you And I, like, burst into tears. Like, lost my mind. So she gets up and cries. And she she does look at it and she's like, this doesn't help. (laughs) I can't remember your name. And she gets up and just keeps running. But it's because, like, that's more important to him than knowing his name is, is her knowing how he feels about her. Yeah. So Mitsuha arrives at town hall and her dad asks if she's back. Meanwhile, Taki says, it's like seeing something out of a dream. Nothing more or less, a breathtaking view. In the sky, we see the meteor landing on Itamori. And Taki gets up in like present day and he asks why he's here. And what he's doing. Yeah, we also see like the the parallel shots of the comet that Taki is seeing in Tokyo versus like Tsuha's POV in Inomori. And it's really stunning. So we jump in time and Taki is on the train looking at his hand. He's in a suit and the announcement says the next stop is Yoyogi. And the train pulls into the station and Taki sees Mitsuha's bow like in her hair but he gets off and doesn't see her anymore and you can tell this is like a chase that he has daily Mm -hmm. he tells us that he's always searching for something and this feeling has consumed him 
then Taki interviews for her job and tells the interviewers that the reason he applied for this position is the landscapes that people live in. To build a city's landscape, even Tokyo, it might vanish one day too, but he wants to build landscapes that can continue to warm people's hearts. Just wants to build something that lasts because nothing else does. What's up with these like forlorn, heartbroken architects? Yeah, they do be heartbroken. So we go to a cafe, Taki meets up with his old friends from school and they talk about how he bombed his interview and apparently like this has been happening a lot. He's been on many, many interviews and not gotten a job offer yet. Yeah. Whereas all of his friends have had multiple. And he then gets a message on his phone. And who does he go meet up with but Miss Okudera? Oh my gosh. And she makes the same joke that like his friends make where she's like, oh, maybe it's your suit that's killing your chances at getting jobs. And they kind of laugh it off and they end up hanging out and – Taki asks her why she called today, and she says she was in town for work, and it had been a while since she last saw him. And we see in town there's a poster commemorating eight years since the comet disaster, so it's five mm-hmm. years from when we last saw Taki. So he's in his right. 20s now. And she reminds him of the time that they went all the way to Itamori five years ago, and she says it feels like she's forgotten a lot, and he says he doesn't remember all that much from back then either. And he thinks about how, you know, maybe they argued and maybe she and Tosaka went back to Tokyo without him and he spent the night alone on some mountain. But, like, that's really all he remembers. Mm-hmm. But at one point in time, he was drawn to the incident that happened on that mountain with the comet, the fragment that destroyed the town. But, miraculously, most of the people in the town were unhurt. Because the town happened to be holding an emergency drill that day. And most of the residents were outside the impact zone. So she did it. She did get her dad to evacuate everybody. The luck and coincidence sparked various conspiracy theories. And he read a lot about it and was kind of obsessed with this phenomenon. But the reason for his interest is a mystery to him now and... He didn't even know anybody in that town. So, like, why was he so drawn to it? We go back to, you know, his hang with Miss Okudera, and she thanks him for meeting with her today. And as she waves goodbye, we see she has a wedding ring on. So <gasps> she's betrothed. And mm-hmm. she tells Taki that she hopes at some point he'll find happiness too. And Taki says he feels like he's always searching for something. Someone. Wow. We go to a cafe where Taki is looking through his planner. We see all these job interviews he has written down. And a woman in the cafe says she feels like she wants to go to one more bridal fair. And also, oh, I don't know, like maybe a Shinto wedding sounds nice too. And the man that she's with tells her they're all the same. And she said she wanted to get married in a chapel. Who are the two friends but Sayaka and Tessie? <gasps> They're getting yeah. married. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And she tells him to shave before the ceremony, and she's like, I'm going on a diet for it, and just, like, immediately takes a bite of cake. 
And I thought that was funny. Back out on the street, as Taki walks down the street, he passes this woman and hears a bell. He stops, turns around, and looks at the woman for a little, but she keeps walking. So he decides to continue on his journey as well. But the woman afterwards turns around, but she sees him, you know, walking away. So she doesn't approach him. (sighs) All right. Time for the ending. Mm -hmm. So back at home, Taki looks through a book about Itamori. He looks at the, you know, the bridge, the elementary school, the shrine, And he questions why looking at the landscape of a town that's no longer there makes his chest feel so tight. Mm. And we see just like different buildings in Tokyo, the skyline, people in different parts of the city and cafes at school just living their lives. We see Taki look at his hand and we also see Mitsuha in her own apartment looking at her hand. Yeah. And we see them both getting ready for the day. Mitsuha puts her red cord in her hair. They both end up taking the train, different trains, and they see each other through the windows. Yeah. They Uh. lock eyes and they know. They realize they were always searching for someone and both of them, as soon as they can, they get off the train and they start running around the town looking for each other. Taki stops at the bottom of a staircase while Mitsuha is at the top. And they're walking, you know, in opposite directions. They pass by each other on the stairs, holding their breath. And Taki gets to the top of the stairs. He turns around and calls out to Mitsuha and says, Hey, Haven't we met somewhere? And she turns around and tears run down her face. And she says, I thought so too. And he also starts crying. And then at the same time, they say, can I ask you your name? And the movie ends. I love how we're like. Yeah, he went back in time to um, save a town from a comet. But like in the they, the lovers met. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, I think this story is just so well made to mm. like revolve around this horrible disaster and this connection between these two people having yeah. totally different lives. It's just so thoughtful. Like this story mm. is so deep and like well thought out it it was truly such a beautiful movie and i haven't really seen anything quite like it because you know as as you know devastating as some of these moments are we also have so many like delightful moments of levity the first half of the movie tonally i feel is quite different to the end it's almost a comedic yeah but not in a way that feels jarring not in a way where it's like, oh, these are two different movies. Like, I think that the flow and the kind of switch that happens is handled very well, which is not an easy thing to do. Yeah, I just think the subject matter is so beautiful. Just thinking about 
moments of human connection and what it is that connects all of us and how two people who live completely different lives can can find common ground or they can find things that they love within each other by mm-hmm. really immersing themselves in each other's lives which i mean is something that we can all stand to do more of is learn about people who are different from us learn about people who live different lives than us and really have the empathy to see things from their point of view. Yeah. And that's that's how we learn things from each other and that's how we grow in our own right. And I don't know, there's just something really beautiful about the exploration of of time and of fate and how fate can be changed when it is seen as something that's so unmovable. And of course, like time in in the real world doesn't work like it does in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I just thought it was such a beautiful exploration of of that concept. Yeah, and getting to at least, you know, try to understand in the shoes of someone who is experiencing such a, a horrible natural disaster and Japan's history with natural disasters, mm-hmm. like the tsunami that inspired this film. And it just kind of, it makes you think about how at least in North America, I feel like we don't have as many like insanely – there's like obviously gun violence, there are mm-hmm. earthquakes and stuff, but there are other parts of the world that are so prone to natural disasters and kind yeah. of like being in the shoes of someone who is about to experience this like extreme devastation. Yeah. It, it made me think about like actually a, a – one of my moments of culture shock when I moved to the U.S. was I remember I was having a conversation with somebody and I mentioned like, oh, yeah, and like when when the tsunami happened and people are like – they were like, what are you talking about? I was like, the tsunami of 2005. And they were like, I don't know what you're talking about. And that was mm-hmm. like so shocking to me because that was like a huge – devastating thing that happened in 2005. Like I know people who died in that tsunami. that tsunami. Oh um and then to realize that, like, on the other side of the world, people don't even know, like, that that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me think about that moment as well. But There's definitely yeah. a huge dearth of knowledge, like, in American public schools. Maybe Hopefully it's changed now um, and it's better, but, like, there's a lack of global events like mm-hmm. of global knowledge yeah it's so american-centric yeah yeah it can be it can be pretty insular but i think one of the really beautiful things about this movie is despite the fact that like people who aren't from japan or may not have like as much of an understanding of japanese culture there's still so much to gain from this movie and so many themes that mm-hmm. feel very universal because like they're just things that we that we go through as humans and i really right. love that there's such a emphasis on the importance of like relationships in this mm-hmm. in this movie that that's kind of what what makes a life what makes it definitely important amongst going through the motions of having to be at school or having to be at work like what really brings us joy at the end of the day is our relationships with people and that they should mm-hmm. be valued pretty much above like all else. Yeah. And I think that the movie does a great job on focusing 
on that unity mm-hmm. and those universal experiences where even though there are cultural differences, it comes as like a point of like knowledge and getting to just see how someone else lives. And But the f- movie as a whole focuses on all of our shared mm-hmm. experiences as humans. Yeah, because like either we can we can relate to Mitsuha who kind of feels trapped and burdened by tradition or with Taki who feels trapped and burdened by modernity. Mm-hmm. So seeing that dichotomy was really was really cool and it's just it's just such a heartfelt story and I love things that feel so like heartfelt and genuine mm-hmm. and this really it really blew me away this movie yeah yeah same and it's beautiful to watch mm-hmm. it's so beautifully animated and especially there are, um I mean the comet is a devastating disaster but how they depict the comet mm-hmm. in the way it like lights up the sky and the striking like flashes yeah. are really beautiful and also there are some um views of like japan especially i think there's like a sequence kind of at the end where it shows japan and the buildings and people just living their oh, lives yeah, in, in japan Tokyo, yeah Yes, in in Tokyo. And um, it shows the Tokyo, like, skyline. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was so beautiful. Yeah. If you haven't seen this movie, I mean, we've just spoiled the whole thing for you. um, Totally. But watch it anyways. Mm -hmm. Because it's definitely one that I'm going to be thinking about for a while. It's going to be percolating. It's going to be marinating. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if I'll be able to watch it again anytime soon um, until maybe my mood is a little more stable <laughs> because mm-hmm. it, was, it was hard, but it was it was really good. And it feels good to have like a good cry with a movie. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, what you rate in this one? Uh, I want to give it. I think an 8.5. For me, it's a 10. I'm giving it a 10. Yeah. I had such a strong reaction to it that Mm -hmm. I can't give it anything else. Even though there's like, there's a couple plot holes here and there. Like, how did neither of them ever realize it was three years ago? Like prior or whatever. Yeah. There's like a memory blindness thing. But like, I don't care. That doesn't matter to Mm -hmm. me. (laughs) I thought the movie was so heart-wrenching in so many places I was really glad that they met each other at the end yeah. I was like I need this to happen mm-hmm. but um I definitely want to watch it again yeah I really want to watch it again um you know without taking notes just to mm-hmm. enjoy it and I really loved it I just um for me it's not like my new favorite yeah. so I don't want to take it to that eight or nine or ten yeah, place but that's fair undeniably an amazing movie mm-hmm. and a, a lot of beautiful moments even like I was so glad the dub I'm sure the dub and the subtitles were quite similar but like mm-hmm. it was a really good quality translation oh that's good so I was really like happy about that like it felt extremely poetic and mm-hmm. made sense um which isn't always the case yeah so. That's great. Yeah, I, I'd be curious to watch the dub, um, and just see what 
see what it's like. But from what I remember, like a lot of the stuff that you had written, like rings verbatim to what I had read in the subtitles. Mm-hmm. So I think it's probably pretty, pretty close. But yeah, let us know your thoughts on your name. If you've seen it before, if this is the first time watch for you like us. Um, would love to hear what you guys think. Yes. And if you want more content in between when our episodes come out, you can always follow us on social media. You can follow us on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us Pod. You can send us an email at Movies That Raised Us at gmail.com. Yes, you can follow us on Instagram at Movies That Raised Us. You always get a little sneak peek of what's coming next week. So if you want to like watch a movie before our episode comes out, you'll get some day's notice on what's coming next. Yes. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at MTRU underscore pod. And of course, as always, if you're interested in our Patreon, it's Movies That Raised Us on Patreon. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina. And our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.